0: Body and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 234 are open. This week on the show, a brand new Pokemon Wiglet has been unveiled and I'm going to slurp him up. Oh, he looks delicious, put a bit of salt on him, very nice. We'll finally get to see a teaser trailer for Illuminations upcoming Super Mario Bros. movie. And in Reggie's rec room, I'll share why I got into Nintendo podcasting in the first place. I hope you're all going well, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this episode. I've done solo shows before, whether it was because I couldn't find a guest or because I just felt like it. Honestly, I find it a lot of fun, just sit here in front of the microphone and the camera and yammer on to you guys. (laughs) It's a a lot of fun, Um, but... Going into this, I was very nervous. If you've missed the update, I've put in a, a major update on the podcast feed. Basically going over that this show is now a solo podcast and that Bryce DeWitt, my best friend and um, just just you know, partnering partner in crime as far as the last five years of the House of Mario goes. Um, he's stepping down. Um, we will be doing stuff, whether it's limited run or something else in the future. But as far as the House of Mario goes, it just didn't seem to be lining up, unfortunately. Who wants to be an adult? Being an adult's no fun at all. We should just be going to school, recording the House of Mario instead. <laughs> well, I don't want to go to school now, but say the... <laughs> you know what I mean. Because <laughs> I don't want to be a 28-year-old recording a Nintendo show at the high school. And all the kids are like, what the hell is this man doing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I should be at work. What am I doing here? But uh, yeah... Going into this, I was uh, very nervous, I and I just, you know, want to sort of make the, I guess, the best show I can, and I know a lot of people might not be into a solo show, or maybe they'll prefer it. It's, uh, It's all up in the air as far as it goes at the moment. It's up to me to keep the ship going, and hopefully keep you entertained, and inform you about all the Nintendo news, and the upcoming things going on, but I'm really looking forward to it. I really am, but like, the the night that i put up the major update i was i was really nervous to the point where i was in bed it was about i don't know say 11 or 12 o'clock my time and i'm in bed my wife's like are you okay you're breathing really weird i'm like yeah i think i'm i think i'm having like a semi anxiety attack i don't know what's going on and uh i just i want to thank everybody that sent me a message or a little nice thing on socials or on the Discord or whatever. I really appreciate any feedback or thoughts about what's going on. I think everybody had uh, similar thoughts where it's like, you know, it's sad to see Bryce step down, but it's good that the House of Mario is still going on and that the show will continue and the community will continue to thrive and we'll keep um, keep going along and hopefully excited for what's to come. And I want to thank, uh, I guess, some some people in particular just about... Um, them sending me a message because I really appreciate it. Especially that night, I got a message from uh, Compire, who's a part of our Discord community. And I really appreciated the kind words that come from him. Um, That was when I was like, oh God, like I'm I'm literally sweating (laughs) in bed. And I got that message and it was just so nice to read. So Compire, thank you very much. Um, That message means more to me than you could ever, 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 just comprehend it's uh i really did appreciate it also a really nice message in the morning from brendan myers brendan thank you so much you've been a great supporter of the house of mario over the last few months and i really appreciate it and also from seth sturgill man thank you very much you know seth's been on the show before he's been announced as a brand new host for the nintendo drive so gonna be hearing him in a few places so that's pretty cool But, uh, Seth, just a really nice guy. So thank you very much for the message. I got messages and all that from, um, other people and other means and that as well. But just the early days when I was, you know, feeling nervous about it all, that's, uh, they're the ones that really sunk in. So guys, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And, uh, let's move on and make a kick-ass Nintendo show. I cannot wait, um, to get into it. And, for the most part, this episode it will be a similar structure to what you've heard before um, on the House of Mario from solo podcasting. And over time we will change it and adapt it to what I find fun and what you guys find interesting, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think for the most part, I, I quite enjoy uh, how it's laid out at the moment. We've got some we've got Sakurai's phone booth coming back where people can put in like their own messages. Um, and we can we've got a few to play on the show, so I think that's a lot of fun. I'd like to implement people's questions and um, people's voice memos and that throughout the whole show. I think that will be awesome. At the moment, we just got them at the end for the one segment, but yeah, going forward, we're going to be implementing some changes like that. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, and also, encore at the house of Mario. That's where I do I guess to guests um, have have guests in. To talk about that, and typically when I started that, that was a solo, that was a solo podcast, and I started that show, uh, so I did have an outlet still. If uh, you know the House of Mario couldn't record that week or whatever, but now that it's flipped, um, it it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to make you go somewhere else or whatever for that. So Encore at the House of Mario will live on the main feed on pod, uh, podcast services, so you will see them pop up. They'll be pretty clearly described. They'll have Encore at the start and they'll also have the bonus episode tag on them. They won't be a numbered episode. So they'll be there. They'll also be on their own feed. So if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can still find Encore at the House of Mario. If you just want those types of episodes, you can find them there. And it's no skin off my back to keep that going as well because it's only like literally a click of a button on Captivate where I host all the podcasts just to um, keep them on both. So... Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy that change. I sort of I asked in the discord like, should I keep them separate, should I put them together? And um just for, from the handful of responses I got, this it was kind of like a fifty fifty split, so I'm all like, right, well, I don't think there's any wrong decision <laughs> as far as uh, far as it goes, but um, yeah, it's all there. And we actually got an encore at, um, encore at the House of Mario up at the moment as well. Had uh, my good friends Buddy Watson and Paul James talking all about PAX Australia. It's under a week until PAX Australia um, happens. I'm going to be going there on the Saturday. Very much looking forward to it. We'll talk about some of that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, it's all, all exciting stuff. So I thought since we've got a brand new format here, a brand new way of doing the show, and I've also noticed like we've got... like. A handful of new listeners and stuff interacting with us on Twitter over the last couple of months and I haven't really sat down and be like all right this is this is who I am so <laughs> you know just to, for the short of it I guess my name's Drew Agnew I'm a rural farmer from South Australia um, at the moment I'm shearing and crutching and all that I used to work in hospitality for a long time but now I now I do not because um, I'm sick of it to be honest <laughs> I'm sick, sick of working the weekends working the weekends sucks look don't do it. If you don't have to, you don't do it. <laughs> but um, massive Nintendo fan since I've been about nine years old. Started off with the Game Boy Advance SP and since then had every single Nintendo platform there was. First actual console was the Wii and went on from there. Uh, also got into PlayStation with the PlayStation Vita, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. Really like the PlayStation consoles as well. And I have Xboxes. Um, for Game Pass, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but I love like Forza Horizon. Um, that's probably my favourite Xbox series. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's me in a very uh, very 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 condensed uh, way there. But also just with the show. So going forward, this is what I want the House of Mario to be, and it's largely the philosophy I've had in the past for the show, but. Um, you know, I've never really landed out what I want the House of Mario to be. So I've got some dot points here. I'm just going to go through them. But the first one is probably the most important one. It's just that everybody is welcome. It doesn't matter your religious beliefs, your race, your political or alignment or whatever. It doesn't matter to me as long as you're respectful and loving of others and that you have a burning passion for video games. And um, that's, that's all that matters. I, I see some, um, you know, I follow some podcast networks that have outright outright told people that they are not welcome if they believe in this certain, um, I guess, way of thinking or whatever. And look, it's, uh, that's fair enough if uh, that's the type of community you want to cultivate. But here at the House of Mario, it's just all about the video games. And look, if you've got certain political beliefs in America, it's like, well, you know, I'm Australian, so for the most part, it doesn't doesn't align with um doesn't matter to me anyway. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing. Everybody's welcome here. The doors are always open, no matter who you are. Just be respectful and kind to others. And I want to create a fun and entertaining show. I um you know I think uh, just through my personality and me jumping onto camera, I hope um. Hope that works for you. If it doesn't, well, I can't please everyone. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that. And of course, share our love for video games. This is a place, um, you know, that we built because we love games. And more specifically for me, I love Nintendo. I love handhelds. I love all of that that Nintendo represents. So I think it's awesome that um, we can do this each week and hopefully get together to share our love for gaming. But I also want to have like a critical eye for games. And that doesn't mean just hyper-analyze every single little aspect and just, you know, be negative about everything. Um, but at the end of the day, these products are, you know, $80 games here in Australia. They are products sold by, you know, a massive corporation. And, you know, I don't, um, for things like, you know, Mario Strikers and things like that, you know, I don't ah It's just whatever. Like, I, I want a, like a critical eye and like really, like, think about these games as, like, whether... the whether it's like thinking about them as art or um, just a a fun video game or a commercial product. I want to have like a more of a critical eye on some of these things um, like going forward, especially like with review discussions and things like that. And also just learn together, somewhere where we can come together, learn about Nintendo. And that goes for me as well. Like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I obsess about Nintendo and over the years I've learned a lot. Whether it's through you know just reading Reggie's book or just playing the games himself, you know I've I guess accrued a lot of knowledge, much like you guys out there. Um, but we all have something we can learn about Nintendo, and I think it's uh, it'll be a fun place to do that together. Um, and hopefully, we can I guess cultivate a community that you know wants I guess first for knowledge as far as um, Nintendo and video games goes, and understanding development and um, the marketing, and just be aware of all of these things and um, I think that adds to the fun. So, There's some of the podcasts I enjoy the most as well, where you are getting like a bit of an education out of it. And no education, it sounds a bit of a dirty word, especially to me. I wasn't like any, uh, I wasn't amazing at school. So when I hear education, I'm like, Ooh. I still have nightmares about having to go back and redo year 12 because of um, failing maths. I didn't fail math, thankfully, but... That 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 is an antithesis of a nightmare for me is going back to school. So let's stop using the word education. Let's learn. <laughs> and if you're in school, buddy, do your homework, Matt. <laughs> do your homework. So that's what I want the show to be. And I think um, I think we can achieve that together. So absolutely. Let's move into the guru geek out. And this is um This is going to be a a big segment for me going forward because this is where I can come and share something I'm excited about or give someone a shout out who I think is doing an awesome job whether it's in our community or outside with their podcast or creative work or whatever. And over the past few months, um, it's never been more clear as to why we do the Guru Geek Out. We started the Guru Geek Out because Nintendo Guru was an absolutely shining beacon of light within the Nintendo community and his content was fun and entertaining and fantastic and I came across his content with uh if we ran Nintendo he did that with his co-host Sean Capri and they did basically this segment at the start of their shows they gave people shout outs they geeked out and uh, Bobby always wanted to call it geek outs Sean wanted to call it uh no Bobby wanted to call it uh shout outs and um, Sean wanted to call it geek outs. And um, for like the alliteration sake, I've called it geek outs, but it can be guru shout outs. It can be whatever. <laughs> but it's never been more clear why we do this because over the last few well, few months, I've been listening to a lot of Bobby's content. And it's only been now where I've actually been able to go back and have like a serious listen, apart from five minutes here and five minutes there just to hear, you know, Bobby's voice and what, um, you know, his philosophy as far as his pod- podcast creation goes because people always looked at Bobby and sort of laughed. He had, uh, like, Nintendo Talk. He had Nintendo Planet. He had, um, if we ran Nintendo, um, after three years, changed that to a cup of joe and Nintendo. Still with Sean, but just a bit of a, a different format for the show. And it was, <laughs> but, like, how many bloody Nintendo shows can you have? You know what? Including me because I'm thinking, like, how much work it takes to do the House of Mario, um, amongst you know just other life commitments and stuff. I'm like, how, imagine if I had the House of Mario, then I had um, Nintendo uh, backflips and Nintendo, like oh, I was like all these shows all based around Nintendo, and you know Bobby Bobby had a different take on each show. You know one was like news focused, and one was like a daily show, and another one was like a sit back with Sean, and they were all, all sort of you know, all different enough to justify um, existing. But, you know, it was always a a funny thing, but it wasn't until like when I'm thinking about where should the house of Mario go from here and, you know, thinking about a big change like this, where it is just me in front of the microphone and the camera discussing certain topics and going through the news and that. And it's because of Bobby and the lessons that I learned from him. I'm like, all right, we can take this step. And we can do something else that will suit Bryce and I better, that will work for our schedules and I guess our creative um, endeavours and all of that. So it was sort of a, a big lesson learning that from him and also the opposite end of the scale as well. And I remember this very clearly. The first time I had Bobby on the House of Mario, we were discussing a Nintendo Direct, I think, and we ended the podcast and I was like, we're just talking. And... Bobby brought up his divorce and he said like, you know, never prioritize this over, you know, wife, family, kids, et cetera, because he just went so hard into this because he loved it so much. And I think a lot of people that put a lot of themselves into something, um, understand that, that it is, <laughs> it can be easy to be like, all right, um, I'm podcasting. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> or whatever, he just um he, and ultimately he, you know, lost his lost his wife because he wasn't spending enough time, or whatever. So, that's been a lesson as well, like as much as much time as this takes, you can't let it take too much. Because in 5 years time, if I'm still doing a podcast, but my wife and son aren't under my roof anymore, you know, what does it matter? So, a lot a lot of lessons, man, I've I've learned from him and also just don't be afraid to give out compliments to people because for me, like I I love a lot of people's work and, um, you know, stuff within the community that we've uh, got here podcasting. And honestly, sometimes I don't give the compliments. I feel like I should because I I know for me, I guess I'm reflecting myself onto others because I, I, when I was growing up, I had no self-confidence whatsoever. It's actually weird that I'm doing this because like you know, recording myself video and audio, putting myself out there, because yeah, that's just the power of games, I guess. Just the obsession with with that, putting myself out there. But he he had um just no, he just never held back. Every show he went on, he's like, "You guys are doing a fantastic job, awesome stuff." And I think he just really built up a lot of um a lot of goodwill through from, from just telling it how it is, even if it wasn't like. Even if it wasn't that good, just be honest and let them know and they can improve. And it's all it's all good feedback. And I remember Bobby saying very nice words about The House of Mario and, you know, little old Drew podcasting for two or three years. You know, that meant a lot. So through this segment, I that's what I want to do. I want to build other people up. I want to let them know that they're doing an awesome job. Even like stuff like if I watched a great movie, like let's just get excited about this certain thing, but I might not bring up because it isn't Nintendo or even gaming related. So like I said, never been clearer why I'm doing this segment for Guru Geek Outs. Absolutely fantastic. And um, one of the things I just really want to say is just, yeah, a thank you to everybody that you know sent me a message or um, gave me feedback in the Discord or even if you didn't reach out but you're listening to this, thank you so much for being on this journey with me at the House of Mario. And um, let's continue the kick ass and make an awesome Nintendo podcast. But the shout-out I want to give this week is to my good friends, Brennan White and Ali Hart at The Hungry Gamers. They recently cele- celebrated their 300th episode, which is an amazing triumph. It really is. And uh, they celebrated with an episode just, um, just talking about stuff. They started off talking about their favorite ice cream flavors. And, um, you know, Brennan White, And for those that don't know, we were a part of the 8-Bit Collective um, back in, must have started in 2018 for a couple of years. And Brendan, he, he wanted to bring in Australian podcasts to make this one group, you know, to be stronger and better together and collaborate and all this type of thing. And it was a fantastic idea. And with Brendan's help, we were really able to, you know, kick ass the next, like the next couple of years. Um, we went, Bryce and I, we went to Avcon, which is a video game and anime convention here in South Australia. And we wanted to do interview, interviews on the floor for the podcast. And um, we basically, we said, like, how do you do that? <laughs> we got we got microphones at home, but holy shit, we're not taking all that to a, to a convention. And Brendan's like, I got this little portable recorder. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, and he's like, you're more than welcome to use it. So he express sent it down from... Uh, I think it was in Queensland at the time, and let us borrow it for know, a few months until until uh, until Pax. We gave it we gave it back to him, and eventually I, I I loved that little recorder actually so much. I actually went and bought one myself <laughs> a year or so later when I had the money for it. But just like the niceness and generosity of Brendan White is just it, it blew me away. It really did. It's a similar way to Bobby just like Brendan's willing to help us, you know, we've only been podcasting for basically a year at that point. And we made some great friends through John Peck and Brendan and um, Buddy and Dash and yeah, just, uh, they actually become a pretty big group. And unfortunately it did fall apart because it kind of, um, you know, I, I know like Brendan was really busy at the time. So there wasn't really like a clear direction where things were going. And also as far as like collaborations and that were going, that's what I was really personally excited for when it came to the 8-Bit Collective was just the collaboration between all the creators. And it didn't really happen that much. It didn't really have anyone else that was interested in Nintendo to actually come on the show. <laughs> that was a little bit weird. So um, it's, it, you know, it, it petered out in the end and now 8-Bit are doing their own thing with the Hungry Games and a bunch of other shows. They're doing game shows and food-based shows and, um, putting in work from time to time from John Peck and yeah they're just great people so congratulations on 300 episodes Hungry Gamers and uh, just uh, here's to another 300 more so yeah that's the the Guru Geek cats. let's move on to some game impressions so I've only been playing a little bit the last couple of weeks nothing too much just want to touch on Splatoon 3 been really enjoying it participated in the Splat Fest and um, just been playing Turf Wars nothing too Nothing too much. Um, but I just really want to uh, comment on the campaign. I'm really enjoying the campaign. And typically, Splatoon 1 and Splatoon 2, I don't know if I ever finished the uh, campaigns. If I did, I can't remember. Like, they are kind of forgettable to me in some ways. But just the way the Splatoon 3 campaign is set out, that, you know, you're basically going collecting the... Uh, what's the little little man's called? I've got the little, uh, little salmon man's... <laughs> Um, but basically you're collecting like those eggs and it's the currency where you unlock, like get rid of the goo off the map, you unlock more levels to go into and it's really tr- sort of triggering my OCD. I can't really move on to the next area without, <laughs> without clearing it all. So I've cleared like the whole first area um, and now I'm just moving on to the second one. But for me, Splatoon, it's always been this weird thing because when I'm playing it, I'd rather probably just jump into the actual multiplayer and it's something like with Call of Duty uh, that I never understood why you would buy that game and not play the single-player campaign and just play multiplayer. But with Splatoon, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I just want to jump in and, you know, get like the three-minute dopertine do- do- hit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, just like get that three-minute match in and, uh, you know, move on from there. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I, I'm not playing with like too many weapons at the moment I've on, on, only been playing with the uh, the uh, splattershot jr but <laughs> I went to go and try some um other weapons but it would not co- connect to the server and it was I was having connection issues and apparently you have to be online to buy weapons I'm like okay so I moved on yeah moved on from that so I'm just playing with the same weapon apart from in the actual campaign itself so yeah. I'm going to be a uh, have to try and finish that this uh this month before we uh <laughs> jesus before all these games come out october is the most insane month i've seen in a long time for games but uh, apart from that i've actually re-downloaded Mario Kart Tour and this is a game i said i'd go back to once they get rid of the gacha mechanic and uh, give it a go and i guess another reason why i was interested in the game is because i actually got a brand new iphone i got the iphone 14 pro so you know, a brand-new toy. I thought I'd play around with it, see what it's all about, put some games on it. And um, what better way to, you know, play the new phone as a brand-new Mario Kart game, I guess. So downloaded it, tried it out, and, you know, for what it is, I'm having. I'm actually having a fair bit of fun with it, to be honest. You know, I played a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in its time, and even with the new DLC tracks, <laughs> I've played them to death now as well. So kind of um, looking for... Whatever brand new Mario Kart experience is out there, and Mario Kart Tour, it gets updated a fair bit. And for the most part, I'm really ignoring just everything else that's going on apart from just jumping into a quick race. I think it is satisfying that you like you do your dailies and all that type of thing. You know the stuff that really tries to hook you and make you press on the app to um, engage with the content and hopefully get you the spend money in that. But just like how the actual systems work out as like you know certain characters certain carts certain gliders will give you different uh i guess bonuses on p- uh, particular tracks like for example if you're if you have uh like the correct um vehicle you'll get three item slots um, every time you hit an item box but if you don't you might just get one and like that stuff I'm like I don't I don't need this in Mario Kart this is Obnoxious, Like, honestly, I don't like how this mobile fire location has, um you know, hit it. Even though it's a mobile game, I'd much rather it just be basic Mario Kart and maybe with, like, ma- microtransactions here for costumes and a battle pass and, look, w- whatever you want to put into it, just, just kind of, even in some ways, Fortnite of Fire Mario Kart. But, no, it's just full-on mobile phone game, which they are, you know, getting rid of the gatch mechanic. But the actual gameplay itself, I'm actually kind of enjoying it because, uh, you know, with the young one at the moment, he's slowly becoming more and more of a handful as he gets more, uh, I guess, agile. And he's in his walker at the moment, so he's just walking around and you've got to keep an eye on him. And he's very curious about the, uh, the cabinet. I've got the PlayStation 5 in. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe stay away from that. <laughs> uh, so a lot of the time I'm like, all right, I've got a bit of free time. Phone's already there. I probably already got a podcast playing because they seem to be the, I guess, the best medium for you know, being being alert to um other things, being able to get up. And I guess the, the Switch is just like that little bit too big or I don't know. Um, but the phone is just what I seem to be reaching for. And instead of going on Twitter or Facebook or wasting time with pointless social media, um, I think Mario Kart Tour has been kind of good in that aspect. But the gameplay, it feels okay. I'm playing it just vertical, so I want to play it just like one hand. I don't really want to put it horizontal because that was an update a little while ago. But um, just basically to control the game, you've got like a little button down the bottom and you can steer that way. I and mean, then if you touch anywhere else on the screen, you, you, uh, you do a power slide, which uh, which I think works okay. And I'm getting more and more used to the controls and to throw items back and forth. You swipe up, you swipe down. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, they're not going to get any of my money. I'm just going to do dailies and slowly do whatever. I could not care less if I don't have the correct character or the correct cart. Um, I just want to play Mario Kart easily on my phone. And if they're a little bit more generous and a little bit more... I guess forgiving with all of this mobile follication. I'd probably be more than happy to spend money here and there and eventually, you know, spend more than the actual Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Like honestly, I probably would. But when they're just greedy right off the bat, I, I just write it off. Same with like Pokemon Masters. I thought that was a really cool concept. I I love all the trainer characters in Pokemon. Um, and the whole thing where they got different characters coming out with different Sigma pairs and they got a story. Um, going on it's updating constantly and voice acting and all that like it it kind of sounds fantastic but the way they set it up just as far as how they monetize it, i'm like i'm not i'm not gonna waste my time i'm really not <laughs> so similar situation here but i actually have re-downloaded pokemon masters on my phone as well give it a go you know i would like to enjoy it so maybe there's a point where i where my brain just uh, switches off and you're like, yeah, well, take 200 bucks. <laughs> I hope not. I can't afford that at the moment. But yeah, that, that's the games I've been playing at the moment. Nothing too serious, just uh, simple, casual jump in, jump out games, especially Mario Kart Tour. Um, but there's going to be a heap of stuff this month that I'm I'm nervous about. You know, there's Nier Automata, there's Persona 5 Royal, which they're two games I want to play that I didn't play back in 2017. Uh, obviously Murray vs. Rabbids, Sparks of Hope and there's um, there's other stuff too. <laughs> I can't remember off the bat. I'm trying to trying to just like look straight ahead and kind of ignore it, just put my visors up and not, <laughs> not see it too much. But yeah, so yeah, that's what I've been playing. That's Let's move into the news. So this is just some smaller news tidbits before we jump into the media stories. The first one is that Splatoon 3's uh Splatfest has been decided and team gear one. And uh a little bit upset about this. I think when I first initially saw all the teams, so it was gear grub or fun, and I, th- I initially said to myself, "Oh, I'm going to pick grub because you yeah, take some food with you. It's a good idea. You take some uh tinned uh veggies, take some baked beans, and you can all store it, you can ration it out. It'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. You won't go hungry." A lot of people decide gear because I think gear is honestly like if you're seriously making a decision about what to take, like you know you've got a decision. The plane it hasn't crashed yet, but you know it's going to happen. <laughs> what are you going to take to a deserted island? And gear is just is hundred percent the answer because if you like, you know the saying goes like if you give a man you if you give a fish <laughs> if you give a man a fish. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm just so hung up, that I, I butchered that so bad. But if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for an, a day. If you give a man a fishing rod, you'll feed him for life because he can use it and get his own fish. It's very similar. You take a bow and arrow. You take a fishing rod. You take a shovel. Um, all these things would be just life-saving bits of equipment. Even like like a shovel, just like all right, let's um let's make a let's make a base, and you need you need a shovel. You need all this stuff. So definitely gear. And um, oh, there was fun. And at the at the moment when I was uh, picking my team, fun was winning. So I'm like, well, grub is getting just destroyed. So I'm going to go fun. And it seemed like fun was going well until, I don't know, it, it got narrowly beaten by gear. So congratulations, anyone who chose team gear. That was the correct decision as far as a real life situation goes. But when I sat down on the weekend, I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about all this stuff. I just want to have fun. I want to be on team fun. So there we were. (laughs) Also on, um, I guess, the Aussie, my Nintendo store, you can get Animal Crossing homewares, pens, and uh, other exclusive items from Nintendo Tokyo store. So that's pretty cool. So if you want to check out some of this stuff, it's just literally Animal Crossing Tupperware. But I know some of these like cozy YouTubers might actually be kind of into this, just as far as like the whole aesthetic in their kitchen and that. I'm just a dude. I don't, I, I get all my Tupperware probably from Big W or Kmart. I'm not too worried about <laughs> Animal Crossing Tupperware, especially here. Like the prices, so looks like the multi the, the multi pen, which is black and red, is eight dollars fifty. So yeah, well, that's an you know, expensive pen, but it might be a fantastic pen. You've also got like uh, Animal Crossing. You got a canister. It's twenty two bucks for the canister and it goes up to 28 bucks for a large canister. There you go. So check that out. We also got a, a random update to Skyrim. So it's now Skyrim Anniversary Edition. And just out of nowhere, just here it is. The Anniversary Edition is now on Switch. So that's great. It's a $30 upgrade here in Australia if you want the uh, new features, which I heard includes fishing. So cool. Um, personally, I've got the uh, physical edition of Skyrim, but I, yeah. For $30, bucks, i am not going to upgrade. It's all good. And uh, last off, just for this uh, quick news bite, is that uh, the Pokemon Company has teamed up with Ed Sheeran for a song called Celestial, which I I listened to. And the song sounds like an Ed Sheeran song. It's it's a good song. It's got Pikachu's Cry from Pokemon Red and Blue at the start and a few other Easter eggs in the actual song itself. And um, I really like Ed Sheeran. I think he's just a really likable guy and I quite enjoy his music. I think he's a fantastic pop artist. Um, So... Just a, a really kind of a no-brainer for Pokemon Company to team up with considering they've done Katy Perry and um, Post Malone. Post Malone's a funny one. I love Post Malone as well. And I think his Pokemon song was the best because it actually had sampling of, um, I guess, yeah, actual Pokemon music in the actual song. Um, but yeah, great song. And But the music clip is really cool. It's basically him waking up and all the Pokemon coming to life from his Game Boy. And it's uh, just illustrated in this really... Odd looking way, just like with like, you know, little all the Pokemon that just have dots as eyes and Lapras has just like a big mono brow and it's awesome. It's a it's a it's a nice little team up. It's um it's great sort of Pokemon company are trying to get into I guess the, the pop culture discussion as far as all this goes. So pretty cool. Go and check that out on on YouTube or whatever. Let's get into the actual news itself and uh, discuss some discuss some news, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Bika, bika! Is that on? I fight for my friends. Like so after a long time of not knowing what the hell is going on, uh, this week we're actually going to get a teaser trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie coming early October. I and mean, we actually got a release date as well, so pretty cool. I'm going to read this from Vooks.net and uh, we'll discuss the article from there. So a teaser trailer for the upcoming Super Mario Bros. movie will be released early next month, which is now actually. Uh, The trailer will premiere at New York Comic Con on the 6th slash 7th. Thanks to Daylight Savings Time, things are going to get weird once again. That's true, actually. Universal Pictures also reconfirmed the American release date of April 7th, 2023, while uh, Universal Australia just uh, confirmed its March 30th release here the other day. Huh. Really? Are we getting it before America? Well, I'm actually kind of, um, yeah, I'm I'm flabbergasted by that. That's cool. All right. Nice. Suck it. (laughs) That could still shift around, though odds are still low on that. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I'm really excited about that. So when's the time time here? So the 7th of October, 6.30 a.m. Australian Central Daylight Time for me here in South Australia. So that's pretty cool. All right. Wow, I'm actually just taken back by that news. I didn't, I didn't read uh, far enough until we actually got an Australia date, um, which is like a week before the States. And sometimes that happens, but very, very rarely. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, well, look at that. We can get like a spoiler cast and all that up in time for the American release. Look at that. Wow. So, yeah, and um, we got a question from Luke in the Discord as well. Um any predictions or thoughts about the upcoming teaser for the Mario movie? And I've got high expectations for this movie to be honest. And I think um I think what I'm thinking about is like the, the Mario sort of world is just so rich and animated and gorgeous. But typically like the most beautiful we have seen it has been like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe or in some ways Mario Odyssey, but I think um, just like the animations of like the slow-mo when you watch like the Mario Kart TV, you see like Mario and Luigi's moustache just like flapping in the wind and all of that. I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie just with Illuminations' prowess and animation and seeing like the Mushroom Kingdom just like just full of so much personality and so much going on in the backgrounds and all the characters interacting together. Because when you're playing like Mario Odyssey or like a 2D Mario game or whatever, you don't see all the enemies interact or you don't see like, you know, obviously Bowser come and interact with the Goombas and what the Goombas are thinking of um, Bowser and all that. And even seeing Sparks of Hope from Ubisoft, I think Ubisoft, as far as animation and bringing these characters' personalities to life, I think they've done it better than any Nintendo (laughs) Mario-made game. And not to say that, you know, those games are better than Mario Odyssey or Mario galaxy or any of these just amazing titles from the Tokyo team. But it's, um it's really made me imagine what the possibilities could be just with a, just with an animated movie. I think it's going to be really exciting, but as far as predictions go, I don't really have any predictions for story or whatever, but I would probably assume that Bowser isn't going to be the bad guy in this. I think he's going to be like a part of the team, like, with Donkey Kong, with, you know, all the characters, Mario, Luigi, etc., etc. I think they're all going to sort of, you know, team up together and take on another bad guy. Um, but, yeah, I'm just um, here for the ride. I hope it's an entertaining movie for adults as well as kids. I hope it's one of those titles or movies, not titles. But, yeah, no, I've got um, big hopes for it anyway. Next up, we've got a brand-new Pokemon. Its name is Wiglet. And uh, it's got no relation to Diglett at all, which is a which is a cool new concept. And just to anyone that um, is staying away from the leaks, which you should, um, I couldn't help it at one stage. And this what it wasn't leaked, but the information was leaked that a Pokemon that resembles Diglett but is not going to be a regional form would be announced at some point, would be a part of the brand new game Scarlet and Violet. So, okay, that sounds interesting. And here it is. It's a brand new Pokemon that basically looks like Diglett, but it's um, it's not. And this is a cool new concept um, in the world of Pokemon and that the designers can utilize. I think it's pretty cool because when like a Alolan forms were introduced in Pokemon Sun and Moon, it was a cool idea because you are able to um, make an old Pokemon new again and change it up. And for the developers, it's pretty much a win win. You know, you take Volpix and change its type and make it look a bit more feminine, chuck in a fairy type, a nice type, and call it a day. And we all love it because it, you know, harkens back to a nostalgic Pokemon. And uh, instead of being like, oh, look, that's just a bloody another, that's another trash bag. It's like, well, in Generation One, there was just a bit of sludge that evolved into a bigger bit of sludge, you know, Grimer and Muck. (laughs) No one uh, poo poos them, literally. (laughs) <laughs> but um, just uh, a bit of a description for Wiglet, boasting an exceptional sense of smell. Wigglet is able to pick up senses from over sixty feet away. It has a skittish, uh, skittish uh, disposition, and is constantly curious of its surroundings. When it notices the scent of other Pokemon, Wiglet burrows into the sand to conceal itself. Wiglet pokes uh, pokes a part of its body out of the sand to feed in the ocean. It is still unclear what the rest of its body um, hidden in the sand is like or how long it will be. It's said that Wiglet's resemblance to Diglett may be a mere coincidence, a result of its adaptation to its environment. And um, it's cool too because it's also just like a pure water type. So I guess, uh, yeah, just complete opposite to, uh, to Diglett. So pretty nice. I'm um yeah we're getting closer to the Pokémon Scarlet and Violet and I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be it's going to be a good time. Uh, next up we got a we got a content creator who's been making Super Mario Bros. Five for seven years in uh, Mario Maker One and then Mario Maker Two. So content cre- this is from my Nintendo News. Concept creator Mikey Mike, otherwise known as Metroid Mike 64 has recently announced on Twitter that his seven-year project titled Super Mario Bros. 5, which begun life in 2015, uh, with the release of the original Super Mario, Bros., Super Mario Maker, is now complete and ready to play in Super Mario Maker 2 on the Nintendo Switch family of systems. <laughs> They're part of marketing a lot. Uh, Metroid Mike 64 said on Twitter that his personal project uh, Super Mario Bros. 4 features 40 full levels spread across 8 worlds. These contain 24 courses built from Super Mario World, uh, Super Mario World, 14 from Super Mario Bros. 3, and 2 courses from Super Mario Bros. He went on to say that there are no courses from the later New Super Mario Bros. U or Super Mario 3D World. And um, if you want to check it out, you can use the course code... Zero G Nine X N Four F N F. So go and check that out. I haven't played it yet, but it's definitely something I want to boot up. I've got, I uh, still have Mario um, Mario Maker installed on Switch, so I definitely need to get, go and give this a go. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and basically that um, Mikey Mike has just uh, kind of nailed <laughs> what what he needed to do as far as as far as, you know, creating like a, a sequel to uh, one of the best uh, 2D Mario games of all time. It's so pretty cool. Got some Powerade right here, and um, I'm really glad because when you're just constantly talking to yourself, it draws, draws you out a little bit. Sometimes you just need to s- sit back and salivate a bit. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got a, a brand new um, version of E3, which is going to kick off next year. On the thirteenth of June in the states, and it's interesting because basically their um, read pop are uh, completely changing what E three are doing and trying to bring back some some old ideas that um, the ESA have implemented in the past. So this is also from my Nintendo news. We all thought that E three was pretty much defunct due to the worldwide. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the rise in streaming with software and hardware companies doing their own presentations online. However, ReadPop, which hosts events, partners with gaming websites and other video channels has teamed up with the entertainment uh, software association to revitalize it. E3 2023 will kick off in Los Angeles on the 13th of June, 2023. Though it is not clear at this point, whether the big three will be attending or simply doing their own things but it's still a ways off. Gamesbeat is reporting that the 13th to the 15th of June, 2023 will be business days reserved for industry uh, personnel. And the 15th to the 16th will be gamers day where everyone can attend. Uh, The entertainment software association says that it would like to support and uplift partnered digital events and showcases. We will have to wait and see whether E3 uh, 2023 takes off and it's interesting that they're really splitting it splitting it up because uh, like the last couple of years before the pandemic, when E three was trying to just reinvent itself, they let a lot of the um, I guess the public in. It was just an industry event where places like IGN and other big media outlets, maybe some big YouTubers or whatever as well. But it's mainly just the the, the companies trying to get the word for their games out there, and also you know meeting up with retail partners like all right, this game looks interesting. How many copies of, look, this Cooler Duty game will we need? How many copies of this will we need? Does uh, the PlayStation 5 look like it's going to take off? We'll make sure we've got plenty of them. It was mainly just like a, a business event for that. And um, over time with the press conferences, you know, places like, uh, you know, the House of Mario and you guys we were just like streaming it from home, seeing what's going on. And uh, it become basically bigger and bigger until, they had like a, a massive online audience. And I think it's interesting. This is as someone who's never been or never even set foot in LA or the States. So, um, but if I was there, I'd be interested in grabbing a ticket and um, going to just like the game a day. So, um, because in the past, like it was sort of a, a loss loss for both parties, having the public there and um, journalists and uh, people doing coverage trying to you know, do their jobs. It, it it For, like, the press, it made it a lot harder to get into appointments and see games and all that to do your job. But also, if you're there as the public, you have all those people, like, cutting in because they're, uh, they're more important <laughs> than you. So um, it's good about the speeding it up. It'll be interesting to see whether the big three do come back. I, I kind of do suspect that Xbox and Nintendo will be there. I don't see... I don't see why not. Nintendo has always been a very big supporter of the ESA and E3. They always believed in it. So I, I suspect they'll do a direct around that time and hopefully have a big booth. We can we can see, um, you know, through online videos and that if you're not there. And I suspect Xbox will be there too. But I think um, the big hang up is just PlayStation. They probably 100% will not be there. Because before the pandemic and all that went down, they pulled out anyway. They said, All right, we don't need to do this anymore. We're moving on to bigger and better things. So, yeah. Be interesting. Keep an eye on it anyway, especially with um Summer Game Fest with Jeff Keighley as well. Seems like a lot of the press are actually pretty impressed with what he's been doing. So, yeah. We'll have to see anyway. We'll have to see. Next up, I'll, I won't i will go too far into this. This is a big topic in itself, but from gamesindustry.biz, Saudi Arabia sets aside $13 billion to acquire a major publisher. And uh, reading the first bit here, Saudi Arabia's Salvi Games Group today outlined an investment plan that will see it commit um, <laughs> uh, th- $37.8 billion to build the country's presence in the global games industry, um, including 30, uh, 13.3 billion earmarked for the acquisition and development of a leading games publisher to become a strategic development partner. And this is um this is a big concern because we've talked about it on the show when this like the Savvy Games Fund purchased 5% of Nintendo stocks. And Nintendo they don't have any sort of say in that. It's just public, it's up for grabs. Um, but it's deeply concerning because you know this isn't this isn't just uh, a company in Saudi Arabia this is very much the people in charge the government this is a fund set up to whitewash you know their country's you know unfortunate history and this is a, this is incredibly incredibly concerning because it's such a it's such a big amount of money as well that this this could be you know a publisher that you very well care about as well like you know 13.3 billion dollars that's like square Enix money that's I don't know that's cheap Ubisoft money that's a that's a publisher you could very well care about and say say if it was someone like Square Enix like you know for me like you know grabbing near automata on on switch like I don't want my money going towards like you know, Saudi Saudi Arabia's king I don't want it going towards a country that suppresses women I don't want it to go towards uh, a country that beheads people for being gay or trans I don't want it to go towards (laughs) all these things like um, and not only is the money directly funding that if they do pick up some of these uh, companies it's all used basically to just erase all the terrible things that have gone on in that country. They're doing it with, um, you know, golf at the moment and different sports. They're putting a massive amount of money up for um, basically big, um, big athletes to come over and do their thing. It's worrying. So that's what I'll bring it up there. There's plenty more to go into, but um, yeah, they're just slowly eking their way into the games industry, just much like 10 cent and a lot of um, other companies are, but I think um, this one is the most concerning because they're they're hungry to uh, not only make money but also just improve the reputation of their country and not through changes that actually benefit the citizens there either. So, yeah. Let's move on to uh, the last story we've got here. Also from gamesindustry.biz and also a little bit more of a downer, but it's um, it's important for me to bring these up on this uh, Nintendo podcast. And uh, it's titled, Ex-Nintendo Worker Details Labor Complaint. And uh, a former QA tester says that they asked about unionization trend in July and were fired in February in retaliation. So the article reads, The person at the heart of an April labor complaint against Nintendo and contracting firm Alistair Carter has come forward in an interview with Axios. The tester Um, McKenzie provided more details on the specifics of their complaint, telling Axios that they tried to ask Nintendo of America president, Doug Bowser, about unionization in a July company meeting, um, January, sorry. And Nintendo and Allison Carter fired them for it in February. Clifton uh, said they tried to ask Bowser for Nintendo's position on the recent trend of unionization uh, among QA teams in the games industry. But, uh, but the subject was not addressed in the meeting. They added that after the meeting, uh, and, um, Aston Carter and Anson. Yeah, that must be a typo. It says Anson there, but it was Aston. Aston Carter supervisor told them it was down a downer question and said that in the future they would uh, put uh, any such question to Anson Carter rather than Nintendo. It says two different things here, but anyway. Uh, Clifton said they were fired in February with Nintendo claiming the termination was for disclosing confidential information. The supporting evidence Clifton was given for the termination was a tweet they made in mid-February saying, in today's uh, build, someone some uh, somewhere must have deleted every other texture in the game because everything is now red. Just like pure red, it's very silly. Clifton discussed... Uh, Clifton also discussed settlement talks around the case saying they wanted a letter of apology signed by Bowser while Nintendo counter-offered to let them speak with the human resources team and be given a neutral letter of reference. Nintendo and Ashton Carter did not answer Axios' request for comment while the National Labor Relations Board declined comment. So yeah, this seems to be like an evolving story and, uh, you know, just uh, from this one point of view where it, it has someone explaining why they got fired and if that is the only reason, if it's not because of incompetence or any other reasons that being fired would be expected, this doesn't look very good, especially if it's just for us asking a question like, so how do you feel about union unionization? Because it seems like, you know, I think it's I think it's a great thing for a company not to need a union, um, but that's in just the respect that everybody at the company is being looked after and that there is no need for an intermediary to step in to help with this stuff. But it seems like from the QA department and a couple of other places within Nintendo America, it seems like, I don't know, Human Resources, Doug Bowser, a couple of other sort of prominent figures at Nintendo of America aren't doing much about it. So it seems like they might need a union. But uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to sort of know just um, with a limited amount of information. But if this is true where it is just simply like bring it up, like how do you feel about it? <laughs> and then it's all right, time to get rid of this chump. Uh, it's a uh, worry to say the least. Worrying to say the least. So, yeah. That brings us to the end of the news, guys. Uh nothing too uh just revolutionary this week, but it is what it is. Um good discussions in there anyway. Looking forward to uh catching a wigglet. Um so let's move on to the Red Coin releases and talk about a couple of games that came out on Nintendo Switch this week. And um yeah, they're pretty good. Wah-ha! So the first one is Tunic. And in this game, you explore a land full of lost legends, ancient powers, and a ferocious monster in Tunic. An isometric action game about a small fox on a big adventure. uh, Stranded on a ruined island and armed with only your own curiosity, you will confront colossal beasts, collect strange and powerful items, and unravel long-lost secrets. So... Yeah, not too bad. I really enjoyed this game. It, I played it on Xbox via Xbox Game Pass at the start of the year. Uh, just a stunning game. It's also one that took forever to come out. So I don't know um, don't know what that's all about. <laughs> but it's a, a great game, nevertheless. It's great to see it on Switch. You can pick it up for 42 bucks on the Nintendo eShop. So not too bad. Not too bad at all. Next up is a, a game that I absolutely love. And anyone that hasn't played it before, this is the opportunity to play it now. So, Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection. And this collection includes the original Life is Strange Remastered and also Life is Strange Before the Storm Remastered, which was made by a different developer and uh, was really good. Um, so, the little description here is, Recur- return to Arcadia Bay and experience two award-winning Life is Strange games like never before. Remastered visuals and animation breathe new life into this great cast of characters and gripping stories. Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection includes Life is Strange Remastered and Life is Strange Before the Storm Remastered. And uh, it has multiple features including um, visual um, remasters and improved character animations and etc. etc. since the, the initial release on... Uh, was it PlayStation 4 and Xbox One PC back in the day? Really, Life is Strange, a fantastic story, and you play as a character called Max, and you've actually got the powers to rewind time, and you're able to use those uh, to your advantage and hopefully, like, uh, you know, change outcomes of what's going on and just a simple kind of uh, imagine like a telltale uh, Walking Dead experience, going around talking to characters, very cinematic, excellent writing, Uh, characters that you fall in love with, Uh, just an amazing, amazing game. I really enjoyed it and it was one of those games that had a specific moment in it where it just, it floored me with how, what my choice ended up becoming and it really goes to show that there was no black or white decision. There was an awful outcome one way and there was an awful outcome... The other way, where it was just not expected whatsoever. So, Life of Strange Remastered, man, go and get it. Arcadia Bay, sixty bucks on the Australian eShop for both games, bargain. Even um, before the storm, where you play as Chloe, and it's like it's, it's a it's a prequel actually, um, and it doesn't have Max in it. But yeah, awesome stuff. Go and check them out. So let's move on to Reggie's rec room, and this is where I want to talk about why I got into Nintendo podcasting and this is a topic I wanted to cover on encore at the house of Mario for a little while, just do like a sit down talk about why I got into it. And then obviously all the changes come with doing the podcast and all that. Um, and now this is a solo show and you know, just what, what was going on in my head the last couple of months, I think this is a great opportunity just like to sit down and rem- remind myself why I do this and why I'm going to continue on. And, um, Go as as hard as I can as far as, uh, you know, continue this each week. So let's go to Reggie's direct room. It's been a while, mate. Let's go and uh, say hello to our mate Reggie. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support for giving me a Mushroom Kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. Thanks for the drink, Reggie. Oh look... You're on the, the hard stuff. I'm on the powerade. I can't have a beer. I'll be burping and belching the whole bloody, bloody show if I crack a beer, but you're more than welcome to. You don't even talk after this point, so you don't have to worry about that. But as far as I got into Nintendo podcasting, um, it obviously comes from a love of video games and Nintendo. That's, uh, that's obvious, but... There was a, a while there where, you no, know, most of my life I, I didn't know about podcasts. I didn't know that there was gaming shows out there. Or, and there was a show on ABC here in Australia called Good Game with uh, hosts Barjo and Hex. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, flipping through the channels, you know, there was neighbors and really enjoyed The Simpsons that were on and whatever. But every now and again, i would go to ABC and there would be this show all about video games. And... This was before I was online and going to IGN every day and all of this stuff. So it was really awesome to see that, you know, there's um there's like gaming content out there for you to check out. Um, so it sort of got me thinking like, you know, that's like once a week and whatever. And I was sitting on my computer when um, I was probably 14 years old and had my iPod Nano, had my... Uh, I guess an iTunes application on there. That's where I put all my illegally downloaded music onto my iPod. But I noticed like a little section said podcasts. I'm like, okay, checking out the podcast section, and like, what do you, what, do, what do I like to listen to? What would I like to listen to? And it would be awesome if there's like, um, you know, some gaming stuff I can listen to. So I type in Nintendo and, and, and just you know, back in two thousand and nine, how many Nintendo shows were out there? Not many. So the biggest one was Nintendo voice chat. And I'm sure all of you guys are familiar with IGN's Nintendo voice chat show. And this was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I just sort of randomly downloaded it off of a, you know, just off the whim. And I think it, thinking back to it, I think the first episode I ever listened to was the very first episode, Rich George and Audrey Drake took over. And uh, that's the, that's the time when I started listening to their show and uh, Rich George and Orchard Drake, they actually went eventually to work for Nintendo, which is sort of um, Jose actually later on. <laughs> so they all seem to go and work for Nintendo, which is a little bit, a little bit strange when you're covering Nintendo and you go and work for them. So like, okay, there's a little bit of conflict of interest as far as your, you know, journal job, journalist job goes. But every—it was every Thursday for me, um, year ten, I think. And I would uh, go to my photography lesson. But I always made sure that morning I put in my, um, opened my computer, downloaded the latest episode of Nintendo Voice Chat, uh, manually moved it over to my iPod and, uh, you know, made sure I listened to it that morning. And it became like a bit of a ritual for me. I really, really loved it. And it was great that I could, you know, listen to people that really loved Nintendo content. I thought it was awesome. And also, like, you know, they get games early and all, all that type of stuff that comes with IGN. So, um, listened to that for a, for a couple of years and um, really enjoyed Rich George and Audrey Drake's, you know, take on things. I think Audrey was, you know, she's, like, really sweet and lovely and um, just, like, loved everything Nintendo. So the, maybe she loved it a little bit too much, I think. Like, she gave every game she reviewed, like, a not, not literally, of course, but most games... Like a 9.5. I remember, I'm like, oh, look, calm down, calm down on some of these games. <laughs> don't know if that's a 9.5. And even like Rich George giving Skyward Sword a 10 out of 10, and then not long after going to work for Nintendo's marketing team. It's like, oh, that seems weird. <laughs> Especially Skyward Sword. In what world, in what world is Skyward Sword a 10? <laughs> I don't know. I remember being so hyped up by that though. But yeah, I I really loved IGN's content and back then there weren't a whole heap of um, indie podcasts necessarily and I I didn't listen to any back then anyway. There probably probably was. Um, So I started checking out some other podcasts from IGN and 2011 I was really interested in the PlayStation Vita. So I was interested in checking out The Dark Side, um, go and check out their PlayStation podcast, Podcast Beyond. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, look, I don't know about checking out Beyond. Because especially at the time, I had some friends that were just massive PlayStation fans and all they would say is just like, you know, the games you like on 3DS or Wii or whatever, you know, they're shit and whatever. I'm like, you know, I'm sure we can all relate to um, the entourage of PlayStation fans. <laughs> I love PlayStation, but oh my God, the fans back then, they uh, they let you know that, playstation 2 was doing better than everything else I'll tell you that <laughs> so i'm like oh look i don't know if i want to listen to the playstation show and uh, i tuned in it Was with uh, greg miller colin moriarty and um, i um look I, I just fell in love with that show i really did i thought it was um fantastic and at the time i was you know this was going into 2012 Listening to the these guys a whole heap, I'm like, I really would love a a job at IGN or some video game website where I can sit down, I can write up all my thoughts and do reviews and previews and all this of uh, games that I really love to would love to have early access to or play or 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 whatever. And I think uh it was a little bit later where the the guys actually um, left IGN to um, start Kind of Funny, which was basically doing the same thing, just doing all podcasts and stuff for their YouTube channel. Started um, one of the most successful patrons at the time and just, uh, just had a really great launch. And that was sort of the eye-opening experience for me as far as like, you know, you don't need to like go and get a journalism degree. You don't have to grind for years to get a job at this website. You know, you can just like, you can do it from home. You can grab your mate, you can talk about it and hopefully, you know, cultivate an audience from there. Um, so we sat on that for a long time, nothing happened. That was about 2014 when all that sort of came out and Bryce and I, we we did a bit of content together. We did some like Let's Plays on a YouTube channel called Pow Pows, which is, um, which is gone now, but we, we did like some Let's Plays playing like WarioWare and Smash Brothers, Mario Strikers, just you know, just like the stuff we love, we really loved to play um, back then. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, was it twenty? Must have been twenty. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Um, so you know, we I've I'd wanted to uh, start a podcast for for a while, and we did a bit here and there. And uh, my my good friend Seamus Mullins, he was a, a big fan of you know, kind of funny and um, podcasting, and he's. Like a good writer and everything, too. And he, he was trying to get into the games industry, whether it was f- um, through the actual journalism side of things or the written word or um, getting into actual game studios for marketing or um, development or whatever. He just wanted to be in the Australian games industry. So he, uh, I remember at one point we sat down to do a podcast together. It didn't have a name or anything, but I was so nervous. And because I, I can tell you right now, Sitting in front of a microphone like this, or even with someone else, it was not natural to me whatsoever. And I think I said this earlier in the show that this uh this whole thing of me sitting in front of a camera or sitting in front of the microphone, it's just completely unnatural to me. <laughs> um, but I think over over time I I you know got more used to it. And I was talking to my mum the other day. I was like, you know what, well, I'm really I really have or had no confidence. She's like, well, how do you sit in front of like, the camera doing like the podcast stuff? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just because I really wanted to, you know, share my share my thoughts and talk to other people that, you know, love the same thing. I think the obsession just outweighs the, <laughs> the, uh, the uncomfortableness when it comes to this. But yeah, Seamus and I, we sat down and I remember like freezing up and this is just me talking to Seamus, talking to a good mate of mine, just uh, en- enjoying it. So I don't know that that didn't turn out very well. I've got no idea what happened to that episode of whatever that was. Might have gone up on Seamus. I oh, might have to ask him. Might have gone up on Seamus's blog at some point or something. Um, but we did the same thing with Bryce as well. Uh, had him over to my place, at the t- um, my parents' place at the time and sat down and did a similar thing and I kind of like froze up too. I was like, oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm just talking to Bryce in front of a in front of a microphone. So there was definitely some growing pains there. Um, but going to RTX in Sydney, 2017, this was, you know, before the Switch was launched uh, and uh, kind of funny, we we're going to be there. Greg Miller and uh, Tim Geddes were going there. So I'm like, all right, we're going to make the trip to Sydney it beats going to America to meet them. So, um, went to RTX and RTX. For those that don't know, it was like the Rooster Teeth convention because kind of funnier, kind of affiliated with Rooster Teeth in some way. So they had the opportunity to go there, and it was a. Uh, this was probably the, one of the most important conventions I've ever gone to in my life, because going there and obviously you know meeting meeting people that have had a, a great influence on me. For the past like three years at that point. It was uh it was just a great experience there. But also everybody that loved like them or was into podcasting and that also went there. And that's where I met like a bunch of people. Like you might recognize recognise like, you know, Buddy Watson, Paul James, Dylan Blight from The Explosion Network, um, Brendan White from The Hungry Gamers, which I talked about earlier, and like a bunch more, a heap more. And that's where I met them all, because they're all kind of funny fans. And um some of them already had podcasts. Some of them started up similar times the House of Mario did. And it was just it just filled up my tanks so much that when I got home, I'm like, all right, Bryce, we need to start this. Let's uh let's get it moving. And that's um that's how we basically started doing the show. And it was it was difficult because I, I wanted to get the podcast going like before the switch was announced as the switch, I remember saying to Bryce, "Look, we should get it. We should, get, <laughs> we should get it going before the like the NX is officially like re- announced." But um, we got it like a few months after the switch was come out. But it is what it is. But I think um, what what keeps me like going now is that you know after starting the podcast, it's uh it's become, it's become like so much more than just. Just talking Nintendo, I I've got like a massive just uh, passion for like podcasting just in general, which I think is uh, just a, a lot of fun. I think it's a, an amazing medium that I listen to like all day as well. So got a fair bit of experience as far as just being a listener, but it's uh, it's so much fun to be able to put this out there and like if you if you guys are still listening to it now like an hour and 11 minutes in, I think that's that's an awesome sort of uh, thing we can do. So, yeah, it all sort of just stems from finding like, finding it like a love of listening to it and being an audience member for IGN and Kind of Funny and all that for years and eventually wanting to step into it myself and meeting a group of people that like really, I guess, encouraged us and pushed us on and uh, made us become better through, you know, just uh, like being with them. So yeah, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think um, it's just a a good reminder of like, uh, I'm, I'm here doing it by myself now. This is, this is going to be a challenge going forward. And even like, it's going to be okay on the good weeks, but as far as like the bad weeks go, when I'm, something's happened, like that's got me down or there's not much news or stuff that cover. And I've got to, Make myself interesting all by myself. It's like, well, this is why you do it. You do it because you love it. You love uh, what you talk about. You love who you're talking to, and you love um just the the whole community of people that call themselves podcasters. And it's also another thing too. Like, I um I consider my myself a podcaster before I consider myself like a sharer or a you know whatever other whatever other job I do hospitality. Back when I did that. Um, so if I want to be a podcaster, I can't just stop and be like, all right, well, it's coming up to like the end of the year. That's when a lot of people busy, are busy. That's when they want distractions, put like podcasts in and just get through their day. And what kind of podcast would I be if I just disappeared and, um, you know, let this show disappear. I don't know. That's what I think about anyway. But I can, that I kind of rambled myself through that. It's kind of, it's weird talking about myself. <laughs> I always find that it's a. So it's odd, but uh, yeah. So I'm going to try this uh this segment here, and this is this is going to be the test run for Sakurai's phone booth. I'm excited about this because it's something I've been wanting to to do for a long time. Is to you know implement questions a lot more into the show, and like I said in the update video or oh, update uh discussion, whatever you want to call it on the on the podcast feed. Um, this is going to be um. Yeah, something I wanted to do for a long time, but we haven't had sort of, you know, the group of people to, you know, pull from each time. We've got like a handful of people. I don't want to be asking (laughs) them each week for like a question or whatever, but you know what? I'm I'm here by myself now. It's time to dive in and get some more feedback, make this a more community-focused show. And also got some audio, uh, I guess, memos to play from people as well so we can implement other people's voices into the show. And once we get into a groove of things, if you've got something topical to talk about, we can actually interject that like in, in amongst the news and that as well. So I think that'll be good fun. So let's um, let's start things off. Let's get into Sakurai's phone booth and uh, we'll start from there. I love that one. <laughs> So I've I've had that little soundbite around for a fair bit, but it's uh, it's good to actually be able to use it. So the first uh, um, I guess call in in some ways is a uh, Zach. So let's put let's uh, press Zach's and uh, jump into it. uh good day, Drew. First off, uh, loving the uh, you know decision to keep up with the show in its new format, and wishing you uh, and Bryce as well all the best with your next endeavours. Uh, just keen, you know, you're coming to Melbourne next week. Very exciting for PAX Australia. Looking forward to hopefully seeing you there. Uh, what are you looking forward to most at uh, the return of PAX and what are you hoping to see and and do? So, yeah, keen to hear your response and uh, have a great rest of your week. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, calling in, Zach. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at PAX as well. It's going to be a great time. We, uh, I just had a an encore all about packs and what am i excited for and all that. But the most exciting thing, like I I, I talked about it there, is I don't know what's on the show floor. I I don't really know much about the guests and special appearances by all the important people. Apart from Shuhei Yoshida, that's awesome that he's there. I saw on Twitter that he's landed in the country and he's exploring Melbourne, so that's pretty awesome. Um, but, man, I'm just looking forward to seeing everyone. A lot of the friends that I mentioned the last couple of, uh, last hour, I cannot wait to see them, give them a hug, have a beer with them and, um, yeah, just just catch up with everyone who I haven't seen in three years. And for me as well, it's, it's exciting going to Melbourne and just being in the city and um, just indulging myself in, in, I guess, video game culture because when, when you're there, all it is is games, talking about video games and catching up with friends and that's what it's all about. Like even if uh, even when Pax wasn't on the last couple of years, if someone said like, "Oh look, we'll just, we'll all catch up at the bar," and the convention's not on, but that's okay, I still would have went. Maybe not with um, you know, the whole COVID situation. Obviously, that's not a good idea. But as far as like a normal situation without Pax, I'd still make the trip. At this point, I've got enough friends to really sort of enjoy that. But as far as the actual Pax convention goes itself. I'm looking forward just to going around the indie games, seeing if I can find something new that I'm like, that looks awesome. Can't wait to play that in three years. Uh, you know, stuff like Tunic and Hollow Knight and um, even uh, Untitled Goose Game. That, that was some games that um, I first saw at conventions and went, all right, cool, cool. And you see like every single time, then it pops up in a Nintendo direct and next minute, the uh, devs are millionaires. And I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> So yes, Zach is actually going to be on um, our little Audio Technica booth recording on the pack show floor too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll uh, hear from him there. So yeah, thank you very much for writing in, Zach. Uh, next up, we got one from Wacko Jacko. We got a question. Goes for thirteen seconds. So what you got? To, what you got to say, Wacko? All right, let's get serious, True. Oh, who would win in a Nintendo All-Brawl Battle Royale? I, I personally hope. It would be Falcon, Captain Falcon, but yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, when you say like Battle Royale, all I imagine is uh PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale, and that was a, that was a great game. Um, but uh, I I remember my my uh PlayStation loving friends being like, oh, this is better than Smash Bros. I'm like, oh that that hurts me to my core. You saying that because I know how untrue it is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, like, seriously, in that in the crevice of that head somewhere, you know you're lying. You know you're lying, okay? Because um, it, yeah, it's like, well, you can play as Dante and uh, what's his name, Big Daddy from Bioshock. It's uh, great, but anyway, um, an all out battle royale. So I'm imagining just a battle on Smash Brothers. I think that's probably the easiest way to to settle it in there. And for for me, I. Smash Brothers, my favorite character is Super, uh, <laughs> is uh, King DDD in Super Smash Brothers, and with that hammer, like he'll take out Captain Falcon. Falcon punch that means nothing, but he King DDD will just suck that punch, just put that fist in his mouth, and just smack him on the ass with the hammer. You know what I mean? Just absolutely take him out. So, mm, so there's definitely King DDD, like Captain Falcon. He's definitely he's up there. But he's always like a—he's just become like a humor character now. I don't know how many people uh, play as him in Ultimate. I know in Melee he was a, a menace, but he's also just that fun character. Like these characters just have their moves that are just really fun to pull off. And you know Falcon Punch—one of the funnest moves in the whole in the whole game. Just like Falcon Punch, just like audio and visuals—it's a—it's a great—it's a great move. But uh, what else we got? I guess Kirby as well. I know I'm favoring the Kirby characters here, but I think ultimately like even outside of Smash Brothers, if you, if you just imagine like these characters going at it, trying to kill each other, like Kirby would just suck them up. And in an actual Kirby game, like you press down on the D-pad and you get their ability and they're, just, they're gone. They're dead. Kirby ate them. <laughs> it's consumed. There's nothing left of that character. So maybe Kirby, or I reckon just suck up everyone and just stomach acid burns them all to death. So there we go. So yeah, now, next up we've got Brendan Myers and um, the next three have just, uh, just write-ins. And this was a good question, Brendan. Thank you very much for writing this in. He says, um, with it easy to focus on the negatives, what are some positives from Nintendo in the switch era? From uh, for me, the fact that Nintendo has released uh, some games but have needed some updates to them, those games have actually ended up becoming games worthy of the price tag. And Brendan Myers, he was uh, a, a big, uh, big player of Mario Strikers um, in our Discord when the game came out, part of our House of Mario team, which, uh, you know, quickly faded away. It was just me and him playing. <laughs> but, you know, I guess the last couple of months or so, you know, especially around Mario Strikers. It's been easy to focus on the negatives. Like that game was just a colossal disappointment for me. But when you say like, what are some positives from Nintendo and the switch era? Like, you know, they're they're mostly all positives. Like going back to 2017 with the introduction of the switch alongside breath of the wild, that's a massive positive. It's just, it's a, a system that we all enjoy. It's, it's had great games from Nintendo, third-party support's been great, um, you know, the indie scene has been thriving to the point where it's probably the second best place to play indies, apart from, you know, Steam on PC, obviously. Um, there's just, there are so many, I think, um, even like, you know, you can look at the negatives with the Pokemon series, for example, and um, going back to what I said earlier, you know, I, you know, I want to have a, like a critical eye for some some of these games, and, Um, It's easy to see (laughs) critically where Pokemon Sword and Shield went wrong. But for me, I really enjoyed the characters and like the, the region of Galar. I really enjoyed that they introduced two sets of DLC, which gave you brand new Pokemon and a land to explore. I think that's a perfect sort of implementation for download content for Pokemon. Um, like Mario has been awesome on Switch. Mario Odyssey. We saw Mario Three D World with um, not Bowser's. I was about to say Bowser's Inside Story. Um, yeah, what's that Bowser's a uh, DLC sequel again? But that that was fantastic. That was awesome. Um, I've played so many great indie games on Switch. Like from blossom Tales Two this year, and that was a highlight for me. And even um, like the Dynasty Warriors games with um. From Koei Tecmo, like their collaborations with the Warriors um, series with Fire Emblem, and that that was awesome this year. Um, so just uh, there's way more positives, which is which is great. As a, I don't want to be too negative, but I think for me, like like you said, it is easier to focus on the negatives. And for the most part, I'm I'm able to weigh them out evenly. But I was really hurt by <laughs> Strikers. I really was. I was so excited for that game been asking for it for years they announce it i'm like awesome it's from next level games so my skepticism actually like you know it it wasn't there i was like well it's not made by camelot and unfortunately i i guess i, I put the uh, the label on camelot that's why tennis and golf you know wasn't you know all that great at launch but i think it's just obviously with a different developer being a in-house developer at nintendo now it's it's Pretty obvious that's just how Nintendo themselves see their sports games and how they think they should keep them going. But even for Mario Strikers, man, like I'll, I'll try and focus on the positives for Mario Strikers as far as the Switch game goes. It feels good to play. It looks good. It sounds good. Um, yeah, that's uh, I don't know, that's my positives there. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much, Brendan. I hope I answered your question okay. Uh, next up we got one from Nakachaka. And I I noticed uh, Nakachaka's being uh, retweeting our stuff on Twitter a fair bit and dude I just really want to thank you for that I really appreciate just our, any bit of support we can um, we can get and it's uh, as simple as that guys if you enjoy the show share it um, that helps us out a lot so from Nakachaka wish Nintendo switch games we' be playing uh, Will we be buying next week and why is it near automata at the top of the list well Honestly, yes, it is a near Automata at the top of the list. I've been wanting to play near for a long time and I, I didn't get it on PlayStation, whatever. 2017 was a, a busy year and I was just focused on Switch stuff and um, for many years I kind of just focused on Switch because that's kind of where I preferred to play um, and honestly is now, especially with the baby and everything as well. Switch is a lot easier to pick up. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting this. I'm just hoping that it runs. It just runs well. It won't be at 60 frames or um, have the graphical improvements of the PlayStation version or anything like that, but I hope it hope it is uh, good enough to play since it is an action game. So, yeah, I'll be picking this up, I think. But um, apart from that, I'm not sure what's coming out next week. I'm sort of, sort of heading the clouds as far as what's been coming out because I'm trying to get through some backlog stuff, but also that's not turning <laughs> out too well either. And uh, last up, we got Lockliff, who has become a full-time host on uh, Nintendo Drive as well as Seth Sergil. So congratulations to Lockliff. I'm going to be listening to a lot of her going forward over on that show at Carpool Gaming. And she asks, who is your favourite in- Nintendo character that isn't a typical fan favourite? So I was thinking about this. I I don't know how down the rabbit hole we need to go. Obviously, like Mario, Link, Pikachu, <laughs> like these characters, they're they're off the off the table because he's like, oh, my favorite Nintendo character is Mario or Luigi. Um, no, I'd probably say like you know characters that I really love um, that are off the deep end, not even the deep end, just like the B side compared to the A side. You know, not that people don't know them, but I'll probably say like. King Dedede is one of my favorites. I think he's just silly and dumb and I love playing as him in Smash. Um, just everything from his body language and his just overall appearance, his, his weapon just with the the hammer that turned to a cannon and just all of this stuff. I think it's really entertaining. But like my proper actual answer is Pit from Kid Icarus. And I think like Kid Icarus Uprising, that really made me fall in love with the character himself. I loved like the whole aesthetic. I loved his weapons and that that uh, Sakurai introduced in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. But um, in um, Uprising, I just like I really love like the the cheeky personality he has. The back and forth between all of the all of the villains and the other characters inter- interacts with. And I don't think um, Pit get that gets that much love. I don't really hear anyone talk about Pit. But I'll champion Pit until till the end of time. I love Pit. I think he's awesome and, and uh, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be the most beaten dead horse of all time. But I think every episode or whenever this comes up I'm gonna say I really want to see another Kid Icarus game. I can't wait for Pitt to make a return and I think he'll be a great character to come back as well. You know, it's been over ten years now, so be uh, pretty pretty cool cool for that. So, yeah, thank you very much for that question, Lockliff. And, uh, yeah, that brings us to the the end of uh, Sakurai's phone booth and also the end of the show. So I just want to say that, you know, thank you very much for listening to, this, to the first episode in this format. Um, I'll be listening back to it and figuring out what I need to change. I'd love to hear your feedback as far as how things went. I know, like, a few transitions between some... <laughs> Some like different segments and that were a little little dry and all that, but it is what it is. This is my first time trying out this new format as far as like the pressure goes of this is, this is how it is now. So definitely appreciate your time and everything. And if you'd like to participate in the questions or put in your uh, voice memo to be a part of the show, I think I'm going to do a post from the House of Mario on Twitter each week um, and you can basically reply to that with your questions or you can reply to it with a video you take of your, of, on your phone, and just like, and then I can put that straight into the episode. I just put it through the Bluetooth on my roadcaster and I'm able to do it that way. So you can just do a quick video on your phone and post it to me under that weekly uh, post. I'll do on um, the House of Mario, at the House of Mario on Twitter. And also in the Discord, I'll leave a link to a Google Drive if that's um, easier for you. Just trying out different ideas, we'll figure out a good system to implement these going forward. But really appreciate Zach and Wacko Jacko who took the time to actually do a voice recording and Brendan Myers, Nakachaka, and Lockliff for leaving me a question to discuss at um, Sakurai's phone booth. But yeah, please let me know what you thought of the show. Um, I I dare say I I know in my head what I definitely need to change and improve on. Um, But I'd love to hear from you guys as well. But, um, yeah, that brings us to the end of episode 234 of The House of Mario. Really appreciate it. Go and check out the Discord. Check us out on Twitter at iDruby or at The House of Mario. And um, we've got some changes coming in the, I guess, the next month or so. Um, I've actually got a a photo shoot with with my cousin, actually, who's a photographer. Going to be doing a lot more sort of uh, branding changes to our podcast network iDruby Studios, it's going to be changing uh, my YouTube channel and everything. You're more than welcome to go to uh, youtube.com slash iDruby to uh, subscribe and all that. But I'm going to be pushing that a lot more once we've actually got the changes and everything's looking nice. So, yeah. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. It's support from listeners like you guys who make this house a home. But, unfortunately, the time has come. The doors to the house of Mario are closed. I'll catch you later.